Well, as you know, we're now in the fourth week of the uh, series Paraclesis, uh, journeying together uh, about coming alongside people uh, who are in need. So far, we've looked at caring and loving and journeying, and today we're going to talk about choices, the choices we make and how those choices have a vast influence on our lives. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Moses says this, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. After years of wandering in the desert, the Israelites were at a crossroads in their journey. Moses wanted to lead them out of the wilderness where they'd been going around in circles for 40 years and to lead them into the promised land. They faced a choice, a decision. Moses was giving them direction for the journey. As we've been seeing over the weeks uh, past, uh, life is a journey and we're learning that as Christians, we believe that the consciousness of God is not just for ourselves, neither is it somewhere out there but God wants to use us as his conscious presence alongside someone else. Dare one say it, so that we become God's word to other people and to each other as we journey through life together. Well, <clears throat> we've already learned that the Greek word parakleo can have many meanings, and the meaning we're going to consider this morning is translated as exhortation. As we journey with people, there may come a point where we want to help them find some direction, give them guidance, uh, insight. They may need wisdom for their life. The choices we make determine the direction we take and our direction will uh, determine our destiny. And exhorting means bringing direction and guidance. But of course, it's very important that exhortation is done with words of encouragement. Uh, Paul, when he's writing to the Thessalonians, said this. He exhorted and encouraged them. Like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to lead a life worthy of God. It's all too easy to think of exhorting other people as lecturing them and telling them what they need to do. Uh, but in fact, giving direction needs first to start with encouragement and affirmation. So how can we lead a life that's worthy of God, live life well, as Paul had exhorted and encouraged the Thessalonians? When Jesus talked about life he used three different words and the three words in Greek were for what I suppose we might call different dimensions of life. The first Greek word for life, bios, refers to our lifestyle, our manner of life, how we live and do life as it were from day to day. Uh, in the parable of the sower, uh, the word bios is used for cares, meaning the struggles, anxieties, worries, commitments, responsibilities, the daily demands of life. Jesus says 
that the cares, the riches and the pleasures of external life wrap themselves around us like weeds and can throttle and choke us to death. Then there's the second kind of life. As you might guess, I'm no Greek scholar, whether ancient or modern, it's all double Dutch to me. So in preparing for this morning, I've come across a number of different ways of pronouncing our second ancient Greek word. Suki, Sike, or Soch is in fact the root word for what we know as psyche. So that's what I'll call it. It refers to the inner world of thoughts, feelings, choices, and uh, decisions. Uh, it's our private personal world that's hidden from the view of other people. So the BIOS doesn't function in a vacuum. Our inner motivations and personal agendas influence and determine how we behave externally. And that leads us to the third dimension that Jesus talks about. And he uses this word for uh, life uh, more than any other, zoe. Uh, the word for life that Jesus uses most frequently. It means God's kind of life. Not the bios life, not the psyche life, but life as it can only be found and lived in God. The life out of which the whole of creation sprang. The foundation and fount of all life. Uh, what my favourite poet Ger Gerard Manley Hopkins calls the ground of all being and granite of it. Journeying is about helping people find direction through facing choices in all of these three dimensions of living. So let's now look then at this morning's gospel reading where Jesus encounters the man by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus isn't in church this Sabbath morning. He's doing church, as it were, on the street, down by the pool where there's a gate into the city. There are eight main gates into Jerusalem. This isn't one of them. It's a gate where on every other day of the week, sheep are driven by sheep traders into the city. Inside was the daily cattle market. It was a noisy place with uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of sheeps, sheep wandering everywhere, all bleating and uh, milling. And uh, we're told there was a certain man who had an infirmity, 38 years. Uh, this infirmity and uh, where he spent his time was part of his bios, his external world, his outer world. It was a busy and unpleasant place because you know, shepherds would usually be buying and selling sheep at the market. They might wash their sheep in this pool, and so the pool was smelly, dirty, murky, contaminated, polluted. And there wasn't only the thousands of sheep. Well, there was a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they were sheltering from the blistering heat of the sun under the five arches. They were there because there was a belief that once in the while an angel came and stirred the water with healing properties and the first who got into the water out of all the dozens maybe hundreds would be healed so 
it was an uncertain, it was a competitive place. Things could change at any minute. Will the angel visit today? Will there be anyone to put me in the water? Will I be first? Will my circumstances change? A continual underlying anxiety with dozens vying for the opportunity to be healed. Uh, I imagine if the water even moved slightly, there was pandemonium with a uh, crowd surging forward like a Boxing Day sail, all, all trying to get in the pool first. So every day, this man, who'd been sick for 38 years, hoped that the waters of the pool would move, that today his world would change. But every day ended in the same disappointment. I, I wonder whether this is a picture of life today for many people. People uh, may lie by the lottery pool, um, the promotion at work pool, um, uh, dreams of an understanding reasonable boss pool, uh, the hope for a perfect partner pool, uh, the church pool even, hoping that the water will suddenly move and we'll be able to get in, living with a constant struggle and disappointment of it never quite happening for us, uh, feeling trapped on a treadmill of life. Then maybe there's the burden of busyness. For many people, life is just too busy, uh, swamped with emails, texting, multitasking, looking after parents, looking after children, sometimes both, working as well. Often, life can feel too full. Uh, everyone wants everything yesterday, not enough time in the day to get it all done and struggling to hold it all together. Consumed with busyness, maybe hoping that something will change in our world through some pool we're living by. We just haven't got time to pause, no time to reflect, let alone come, along, uh, come alongside someone else and, and journey with them. Well, the truth is that many of us do have choices and decisions to make about the busyness of our own lives. It's hard, but it is about managing ourselves in relation to the resource of time that God has given us. So there's the challenge of choice. And on this day, Jesus came by the man lying by the pool who'd suffered for 38 years Jesus comes to where he is, living by this disappointing pool. And what does Jesus do? Now, you might think that Jesus would heal this man by praying for him or helping him into the pool. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. The Bible tells us that he asked the man a question. And Jesus offers him a choice. Do you want to be made well? Now, I think Jesus was, in fact, speaking to the inner world of this man. It was a simple yes or no question. Do you want your world to be changed? Do you want things to be different? Do you really want to be healed? 
after lying by this miserable pool for such a long time, you'd think the man's immediate response should be, yes, sir, I've been waiting for this all my life. Well, 38 years at least. But he didn't say that because he was now held hostage by both the inner and the outer worlds he lived in. Uh, his inner world, uh, his psyche, he had feelings of self-pity because the man answered Jesus, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. In other words, he was saying to Jesus, well, Jesus, you just don't understand my problem. I'm waiting here for the water to stir, but when it moves, I've got nobody here to help me. I've no friends. I'm here all alone by myself in this, caught with these terrible struggling circumstances. He is ready to blame others for his inability to get into the water. He's given up. While I'm coming, another steps down before me. Seeing that others are quicker, he's become passive and resigned, believing that there will always be someone uh, quicker uh, than he is. And so he seems to have settled for a victim mentality, looking for reasons why life isn't working for him. Um, so easy for us to do that as well. Other people did stuff to me. Things have happened that I had no control over. I'm the victim of circumstance. Well, it's important that we recognize this in ourselves and when we journey alongside other people, we may find that this attitude has developed in them as well. Very often, it's because their struggle has lasted for so very, very long. It's possible to become completely trapped in the world of busyness, demands, responsibilities and troubles. By journeying with people, we can help them begin to understand and face that. There are times when we can begin to bring some hope, perspective and direction and encouragement to other people's lives. There was, from Jesus, the directive to change. You see, Jesus doesn't just walk away leaving this man to his own devices he exhorts him with a clear direction Jesus said to him get up pick up your mat and walk the man did that and so he chose life this is a huge challenge and one that many face today paraclesis is sometimes about helping people move on from where they're stuck in life and we journey with them out of their difficulties. Now, this doesn't mean necessarily that we carry them. Jesus asked the man to pick up his own mat and to walk by himself. We can't force people to move on. They have to make that choice, but we can encourage them to make that choice as Jesus did. Let's briefly look at a few things about choice. We don't always choose what happens to us in life. Sometimes struggle is a consequence of our choices and we need to accept responsibility and face that. But at other times, 
circumstances have nothing to do with our own choices. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose the way that someone else wounded us or hurt us. Stuff happens in life that we don't choose. However, there's an American psychiatrist, his name is William Glasser, and he talks about the two R's. He says that when we help people, we first have to help them face the reality of their circumstances. Then we have to introduce them to what he calls his second R. And that second R is responsibility. He says, we may not have chosen what has happened to us, but we can choose what we do with it now. No matter what the circumstances, we can make choices about how we react to those circumstances. And life is a series of choices. We end up actually becoming what we repeatedly do. We are creatures of habit. We choose our cars, our houses, our friends, our partners, our jobs. The power of choice is ours. If we're a workaholic, it's very often because we choose to be that. But the encouraging thing is that we can change the things we repeatedly do when we evaluate and take control. We are responsible for our choices. Waking up each morning, the most empowering thing is the realisation that we can choose life today. To know that instead of choosing to do the same old, same old thing, we can choose to make changes. In the bios and in the psyche, we can draw on this abundant supply of the Zoe life. We can choose to allow God's life to affect what's going on in our inner and outer worlds. Choices always have consequences. Sometimes we come alongside people who are living with the consequence of a bad choice and we need to help them direction and uh, help them find direction and insight as we uh, walk with them. The loss of felt choice is not the loss of real choice. Uh, how can I explain this? God has given us all the freedom to choose, but maybe you've lost the belief that you can make choices, or maybe we've made bad choices and have lost confidence in our own ability to choose. Maybe we need someone to journey with us, to help us, uh, to find our confidence in God instead of just functioning on autopilot. We can choose to live God's kind of life. You know, Jesus, uh, as we heard from the story, gives the man at the pool a bit more advice. Not only to stand up and walk, but to change his direction. And in John chapter 5, verse 14, as we heard earlier, later Jesus found the man at the temple. And Jesus said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Well, this 
suggests that the particular man who's by the pool, uh, he was there maybe because of a wrong choice. And Jesus is saying, I've called you to choose. You made that choice. Now continue in the rest of your life making the right choices. So journeying isn't just the matter of us or us helping people to reorder the external world. We can help, un uh, we can help people understand how their external world is affected by their internal uh, world of beliefs, that external difficulties may be created by internal disorder. We can help people to come to terms with that and choose the right direction for their lives. So, pitiful or powerful, the time had come for this man to stop wallowing in self-pity, to get up and do something to change his life. He was pitiful, but he became powerful. And becoming powerful is what we can all choose in life. And that can be the wonderful joy of paraclesis, journeying with each other and with our Lord and seeing people we care for and ourselves receiving hope and healing. Uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus is recorded as saying, I have come that they may have life and that they may live it to the full. Let's uh, now sing reflectively uh, together. Uh, we'll remain seated for this. <laughs>